Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Kia ora, my name is Caleb Finlayson and I'm the youth pastor here at Windsor Park. We are continuing in our Character Matters series. I encourage you, if you have missed any of the weeks, uh, head back and check them out uh, And as we look through several different characters uh, in the Bible. Today we are looking at the disciple James, son of Zebedee. What do we know about James? Well, James is a part of Jesus' inner circle. He is the, one of the three that we hear the least about. The Bible is particularly devoid of explicit details about his life and, and character, yet it is clear that he is a significant person in this smaller group set apart from the disciples. James is always paired with his younger, better-known brother, John. In fact, the only time that he is recorded by himself is sadly when he is killed. James and John seem to have a uh, prominent background and a well-to-do family in comparison to the previous two characters, Peter and Andrew, that we have looked at. Uh, It is hinted by the fact that they are often referred to as the sons of Zebedee. To be named signifies that Zebedee was a man of importance. It would seem that the family held quite a reputation. Mark 1 verse 20 indicates that the family and their fishing business was so successful and large enough to employ multiple hired hands. So what is it that we learn about James and his character, a seemingly minor personality, yet a character that was important in the life of Jesus? Well, James, we will discover, was a passionate man. Take a moment now. Think, what is something that you are passionate about? Passion is often described as a strong and barely containable, uncontrollable emotion. Passion describes James well. He and his brother are called the sons of thunder. Passion and thunder, two words that I imagine would show emotion on the sleeve at the forefront, bubbling ready to go. These words seem to go hand in hand. The result, likely being passion, would drive them forward to do things, to to get things done, but equally could blow up in their face, leaving a wake of destruction and hurt. I want to look at two passages today in particular, both where we see the passion and thunder of James. I would love us to see how we can compare James and Jesus, both very passionate men with two very different results. Let us take the guesswork out of this. I want you to understand that misguided passion misses the point. The first passage that I want us to look at is Luke 9, 51 to 54. In the build up to this passage, Jesus and the disciples are making their way through Samaria. And the people of the village do not welcome them. They turn them away when they hear that they are heading to Jerusalem. Verse 54 records, When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Hmm. 
immediately we see this sense of passion bubbling up, bubbling over. There is no doubt that James is passionate about bringing the gospels to the nation. He is a part of the inner circle with Jesus. He regularly hears the heart of Jesus. And yet, calling down fire from heaven, that couldn't be further from the character of Jesus. How often is this true of us, that we try to be more Christ-like, yet we get lost in our passion and we miss the whole point? Not only that, a few verses earlier, at the beginning of chapter 9, we have Jesus sending out the 12. Pay attention to what he says here. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, No bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave the town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming good news and healing people everywhere. Notice what Jesus is doing as he is giving them authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases, to proclaim the kingdom of God, to share the good news. And if you're met with opposition, shake the dust off your feet and leave it at that. (laughs) But not James. In his passion, he has forgotten the latter. He has become so passionate about the mission that any deviation any pushback from their focus would appear that James has taken this as a personal attack. Is there something that you are deeply passionate about? Earlier, we we took a moment to think about this. Maybe it's the rights for disability. Maybe it's sport. Maybe it's the LGBT community. Maybe it's bird watching. Maybe you're passionate about administration. Passion can take any shape and form. Me, I'm passionate about being a good dad. Passionate about raising my kids well. (laughs) Nevertheless, my misguided passion can miss the point. I want to raise my children to to have good manners, to to be respectful, to be self-aware, to love Jesus. However, in my pursuit of that, in my passion to be a good dad, and raise my kids well, I often miss the point. Often I find myself trying to communicate uh, to my boys while they are uh, communicating their feelings and they're throwing cushions or squealing and now I'm passionate about being a good dad so I feel like I've got a good tolerance for, for that space but my response can sometimes be less like the character of Christ than I like to admit. My misguided passion becomes thunderous, just like that of James. My passion misses the point. The same is true here with James. But what I love next is Jesus' response. In verse 55, he says, Jesus turned and rebuked them. Often we think rebuke as a sharp criticism or disapproval. But the original translation of this word, epitamo, primarily 
has a meaning to honor, to properly assign, to value and affirm the situation to prevent anything from going wrong. In this moment, we see Jesus not sharply telling off James and John, like I frequently do with my children. In fact, no, Jesus is serving them and correctly acknowledging the situation and helping to reorient them to what he originally talks about at the beginning of Luke 9. Jesus' passion to disciple James, Jesus' passion for the people of Samaria allows the response to serve them well, to bring correction rather than allowing misguided passion. The second passage that I want us to look at is Matthew 20, 20 to 24. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink of the cup that I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from the cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to grant. These places belong to those whom have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant towards the brothers. Here we begin with a, a mother's plea that is no doubt prompted by her boys that they would be able to sit in the highest places in heaven. Knowing that Jesus has already addressed this. Jesus has already talked about the, the seating around the table in 19 verse 28. I believe that this passion and this level of commitment by James and John is one of sincerity. Again, it is misguided and misses the point. Jesus, knowing the challenge that he would face, suffering on the cross to the point of death, questions them, do you think that you can take this cup? We can, they passionately respond. Even in those two words, we see that their passion is misguided. The original language refers to we can as we have the power. The whole point of Jesus coming is that in our weakness, we can't do things. In our weakness, He is made strong. That He would come take our fallen and sinful nature. That we don't have the power. Jesus Himself comes and does this. He concludes the passage by saying, this is not mine to grant. He's saying that it's for the Father. Your passion is no substitute for the power of God. Just because I'm passionate about my youth work doesn't change the fact that I need the power of God in my life. Just because you're passionate about sharing your faith or seeing justice or being a great parent, doing a good job, no matter how extreme your passion is, we all need the power of Jesus in our lives. Notice the ambitious nature of their passion. Ambition is negative when it leads us to be greedy, when it hurts others, when it uses others, when it exalts ourselves or is prideful. When we look at position and prominence, our passion misses the point. Ambition, however, is positive when it is selflessly geared when it focuses on Christ, when it forces us to rely on Jesus, when it brings glory to His name and His kingdom. 
Literally, only a few verses earlier, Jesus is describing to his disciples the kingdom of God. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Yet what, for whatever reason, James and his family, in their passion, again, have missed the point of what Jesus is talking about. It is clear to see that James, in his passion, misses the point. So what's the difference with Jesus? Jesus' passion is rooted in the fruit of the Spirit. Every response you see, Jesus, every moment of passion that he has, it is rooted in the fruit of the Spirit. Whether it's a self-centered act in John 8, as he hears the accusers with this lady that's been caught in adultery. Whether it's the love that he shows and the passion that he has to feed the 5,000. The peace that as he sits in the garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he has to take this cross. All of his passionate moments, Jesus has rooted in the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus' passion is selfless rather than selfish. His choice was not pain, uh, was not no pain, no gain, but instead my pain for your gain. Please understand if you are hearing this today, Jesus is passionate about you. He is passionate about a relationship with you. It's easy for us to uh, put ourselves at the center, thinking God revolves around us. When for us to be passionate, to live out our faith, we must first put God at the center of our lives. And we must revolve around Him. Despite the fact that culture would would call us to shift these two around, we must endeavor to put Him at the center. What is your passion leading you towards? If your passion has got Christ in the center, it will lead you toward doing the will of God. Look at Jesus. He didn't just come because he is passionate about people. He came because his passion for people led him to the will of God, to bring salvation that would affect our eternities. What is it that your passion is leading you towards? I encourage you, reflect on this this week as you go. But today as we finish, I want us to help put Christ back at the center. I'd love for us to reflect on Psalm 95. And as we think about the words that are spoken, remember that we can too passionately pursue Him and all that He is doing in our lives, remembering that we are to root ourselves in His Spirit and His fruit. Let me read to us. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is great and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also his. The sea is his for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. And we are his people, his pasture. And he is the shepherd. The sheep, we are the sheep of his hand. Today, 
if we will hear his voice. Do not burden our hearts. Lord, we pray. Father, we thank you that we can declare your goodness. Lord, that you have created all. Father, that we are just a small part of your plan. Yet, Father, you have an infinite love for us. Father, we thank you that you passionately love each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that as we go, would you help us to remember, help us to focus on you at the center, not ourselves. Lord, would our passion not be misguided? Would it not miss the point? But Father, would it lead us to do your will? Lord, we thank you for how you are moving in our lives. We pray that you would continue to pour out your blessing. Help our passion to be selfless and and rooted in the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you did for us. Bless us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.